The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for being with us again on Winning Ponies. Hope to bring you another very interesting show. I know I've got some interesting guests. Our first guest will be multiple Eclipse Award winner Jenny Reese. Jenny just returning from uh, the memorial for writer Dan Farley. Uh, She's put out some good stories this uh, week about a Triple Crown winner getting up on his second Triple Crown winner and about uh, a three-time Kentucky Derby winner that's going to take the summer off before he returns to the saddle. And then uh, Jenny and I are going to discuss all that happened last week at the Stephen Foster Handicap Night when the stars were shining on one American Pharaoh. Uh, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. The vibes were fantastic. It was great to see him. And I'm telling you what, you talk about one cool horse. He didn't turn a hair the whole time. And there were thousands flashing cameras with their phones in his face and everything. It, it was uh, quite excellent. And then we're going to bring on a, uh, a top turf writer, uh, an author, and uh, no stranger to winning ponies, Rich Ng, who writes for the Las Vegas Review-Journal and the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, Rich and I are going to talk a little bit about the, the future of American Pharaoh, and we've got a, a lot of people trying to throw money at him right now to tr- get him to come to uh, their racetrack. And then uh, Rich, of course, every week he... Uh, puts his column out and covers the, the, the top races. And a lot of times the entire card at Santa Anita, well, he'll be tracking the summertime Oaks, a grade two that will take place on Saturday. Uh, then we're going to head back east. We're going to stop off near the Cleveland area and go to the Ohio Derby. Now, this year the Derby is not graded, but they have up the purse to $500,000, and it has drawn a slew of horses that competed in the Kentucky Derby, hoping to get back on the winning track. And then we'll swing down to Belmont Park for the Better Roses Handicap, a very interesting race to handicap in effect. All right, let's take uh, a look at news from around the world, but before we do, hope you cashed your easy win forms and headed out to Santa Anita over the weekend. Big weekend at Santa Anita Saturday. A $1 super key paid over $18,000. Also on Saturday in race seven, a $1 tri key paid 3520 And with all those winnings, you'd have to come back on Sunday, right? Well, uh, Sunday at Santa Anita, $1 Super Key paid $3,835. So log on and get on the easy win forms with our friends here at winningponies.com. Well, uh, there was uh, a lot of expectations, a lot of wondering, a lot of questioning 
But uh, now we find out that there will be no Royal Ascot start for California Chrome. He's been officially ruled out of the uh, Prince of Wales stakes at Royal Ascot due to a bruised foot. According to Ray Guest, who's been overseeing his uh, preparations, uh, he'd been x-rayed, and there's no damage, but there is a bit of pus, and it'll take a few days to come right. It's just a minor thing, but it's very disappointing. Yes, it was. Uh, according to Ascot Racecourse, the colt was officially scratched after a lameness certificate was presented. So uh, we'll see what happens to this champion colt, who from 18 starts has a record of 9-3-1 and with earnings of 63 million dollars. Now, Cal Chrome's little sis did pretty darn well. Hope's Love, who is a full sister to California Chrome, made a strong debut earlier in the week at Golden Gates Field. Uh, came out of the race uh, a little bit behind the rest of the field. Of course, she is uh, uh, owned and bred by, by the same connections, Perry Martin, Steve Coburn, and she's out of the not for Love Mayor, Love the Chase. And uh, while uh, a horse got a jump on her, she did put in what they called an eye-catching burst once she got outside the rail to close down the stretch. And that was a very, very quick time. So uh, it'll be interesting. She's trained by Steve Sherman, who, of course, uh, his dad, Art, is the one that trained California Chrome to victories in the uh, Derby and Preakness Stakes. Of course, also won the Hollywood Derby and third in last year's Breeder' Cup Classic. So we sure hope that California Chrome is going to do well. Whether or not he's even going to make a start in Europe, that is up in the air. I know that uh, the Arlington Million was one of the races that was on his things-to-do list, so we will find out if, in fact, he makes it to the Arlington Million. Well, the Pharaoh is gone. At least he's gone from Kentucky, but he arrived home at Santa Anita, 11.45 in the morning out there on the West Coast. He walked off a Bob Hubbard transportation horse van on the Santa Anita backstretch. Uh, I guess there were about 200 people there that uh, greeted him, uh, and he was one of five horses from Baffert Stable, including his pony, uh, who came in after uh, leaving uh, Churchill down. So um, they had a big Santa Anita welcomes the 215 cr- 215 Triple Crown champion, American Pharaoh. Now, he was the first off the van, led by Jimmy Barnes. I'm going to try to see if we can't get Jimmy on on the show. Of course, uh, there was Bob and Jill Baffert and their 10-year-old son, Bodie. And uh, he's walking the sun, giving a bath. So he's back there now. And they also say that they're probably going to start putting him uh, back in light training and maybe have some uh, public workouts for him. So, uh Back home in California. Now, here's an interesting story that we will be talking to Jenny Reese about, is that, interesting enough, Calvin Burrell is going to take the summer off and return in the fall. Uh, The 48-year-old Hall of Fame jockey said, don't think that that's a pending retirement. He'll be back riding at Churchill's September meet. Uh, But uh, he's got some nice two-year-olds that he wants to get up on. He says he's just going to rest up for a while. And then come back. Now, he and his ex-wife, Lisa, recently sold their home in eastern Jefferson County down by there by Louisville. And uh, they plan to make their six-acre farm in Florida their permanent residence. Now, Lisa, she's active in the hunter-jumper show world. And I guess Calvin likes to uh, be involved in it. And so he, uh, he gets up on the hunter-jumpers and warms them up. And then Lisa uh, rides them, of course, uh, 
Calvin, the only jockey to have won the Kentucky Derby three times in a four-year span, finished third in the other year. Uh, Street Sense in 2007, 50-to-one shot, mind that bird in 2009, Super Saver in 2010. That Super Saver victory, interesting enough, Calvin was 43, made him the second oldest jockey to take the Derby. Drum roll, Bill Shoemaker, 54 years old, when he won on Ferdinand in 1986. And I'm sure that uh, Calvin will be happy to get back to Churchill Downs, where he ranks number two in all-time victories, trailing only, who else, Pat Day. So uh, Calvin Burrell going to take some time off. Again, um, Jenny will tell us more about that. Here's a good return story. A Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner, Texas Red, uh, is scheduled to work between races Sunday at Santa Anita. The uh, Breeders' Juvenile Cup winner is tentatively scheduled. And uh, trainer Keith DeSormo says, I just think fitness-wise, tacking them up and taking them over to work on Sunday would be beneficial. Uh, right now, Texas Red is targeting the grade three Dwyer stakes on the 4th of July at Belmont Park. Uh, sad to say, we lost a horse that was on the Derby Trail, a good-looking horse uh, that probably would have had a heck of a future ahead of him, uh, Danzig Moon. Uh, he was euthanized Sunday at Woodbine after breaking down in the plate trial there. Uh, it was really tough on uh, the, the Cassies and Mark and, and Norman uh, said that he was, uh, you know, as sound as any horse that they that they had. Uh, kind of a interesting week for them because in, after the loss of Danzig Moon, uh, they ended up uh, w- winning the uh, Stephen Foster. So. Uh, it's a tough game and a hard, hard pill to swallow. Well, our jockey of the week, it was C.J. McMahon, who had back-to-back five-win days last Saturday and Sunday at Lone Star Park, where he leads the local stand. He's only 20 years old. He was inspired to be a jock by his father, Charles McMahon, who's an active journeyman who mostly rides quarter horses. So congratulations to C.J. Let's take a look at some of the big races we looked at last week. I want to thank Byron King of Louisville for coming on with us. Of course, the Stephen Foster handicap was front and center. And as I alluded to, it was Mark Cassie trained Noble Bird that got the job done in exciting fashion. Uh, came out of the grade two Ali Sheba at Churchill Downs and held on by a neck to Leah who was uh, coming out of the Dubai World Cup, finished third behind Prince Bishop and California Chrome. And quite frankly, he was getting to the winner, but hey, Sean Bridgman and Noble Bird, they held on. It was Opportunity who finished in the third spot. Uh, the other win and you're in race at Churchill Downs was the Fleur de Lee handicap. And who brought over the winner? But someone we had on Winning Ponies just two weeks ago, John Kenton Court. Brings home at 32 to 1, Frivolous, who stalked Yelena and then took the lead into the stretch. Horse really likes that mile and an eighth. It was a sheer drama, the favorite who was second over Tiz Windy. Then at Churchill, earlier on the card, while American Pharaoh was walking around the walking ring, uh, the regret was held, a grade three race going a mile and an eighth on the turf. The winner was Prado's Sweet Ride, Florent Jaroux in the saddle. Illinois bred was last at the half-mile pole and rallied to win by a head. This horse absolutely loves the turf. Now from five starts, has four victories. 
Second was the speed horse, Lady Zuzu, bumped at the start, led by three and a half into the stretch, but did get caught by Prado's sweet ride. Return to Grace rounded out the trifecta. And then the final graded race of the night, it was the Matt win. This turned into a two-horse stretch run down the lane, and it was Island Town at 6-1 to one who had the lead, lost the lead, and then fought back and got up by a half length over Fame and Power, the heavy favorite. Uh, Fame and Power is the horse that did take over the lead. But the Baffert trainee did not get the job done. Congratulations to Ian Wilkes and Julian Le Peru on Island Town. It was Private Prospect who ran third. All right, well, those were the big races we covered last week. Now we're going to talk to the Multiple Eclipse Award winner, Jenny Reese. She had a lot going on. She's had a lot of great columns, and it was great to see her last week at Churchill Downs when we got to share the spotlight with American Pharaoh. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we... We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, no stranger to Winning Ponies, and uh, uh, she's uh, no stranger to the national media period. Uh, let's see, I think her most recent accolade was uh, being selected to the National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame's Joe Hirsch Media Roll of Honor. Uh, that was earlier this year. I got to be down there that day, which was pretty cool. And then uh, for the last oh, 28 years or so, she's been associated with the Louisville Courier-Journal. Uh, she has uh, won uh, numerous Eclipse Awards for Outstanding Newspaper Magazine Writing, a uh, member of the team that won the Eclipse Award for the online multimedia coverage back in 2008. A pleasure once again to have with us Jenny Reese, who, Jenny, uh, I guess I, I pretty much just got you out of the car. You just came back from a memorial for our friend and outstanding turf writer, Dan Farley. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit about, uh, you know, who, who Dan was? Sure. I, I was, um, you know, it was in Lexington, and um, 
Dad was one of the gamest people I ever knew. He had muscular dystrophy. And even back at my wedding, which I was so happy that you were the photographer for back in 1990, <laughs> you know, Dan was, you could start to see the signs of it and stuff. And, and you know, he had, you know, the last, I don't know how many years, was in a wheelchair. Never heard him complain. Loved racing. Wonder, wonderful family. But I didn't realize he started off as a speech pathologist, but he wanted to just really pursue what he wanted to do, and that was being a racing journalist. And his wife, Betsy, um, you know, said, well, you know, go pursue your dream. And uh, he was with the Thoroughbred Record back when we had the Thoroughbred Record, and then mm-hmm. for many years with the International Racing Bureau and did a, did a lot of things, an excellent handicapper, just a real fan of the game. Maybe the only real diehard IU fan that lived in Lexington. Um, so he grew up in Princeton, and he actually grew up with Mike Pegram, uh, the owner oh, of really? you know, one of Bob Baffert's earth, yeah. And they go to this pool hall together. It was just this amazing celebration of his life today and the people telling stories. And they were talking about, like, you know, in Princeton, Indiana, the one, his buddy Tom, the once, um, you know, they met, like, in college, and... They would go to this one pool hall that was known for having bookmakers there. And so, yeah, they were there quite a bit. But just like a real character, just really a great guy that somebody said, you know, if he ever had a bad day, he never told you. And just really, uh, uh, you know, really a prince. And it was just like one of the greatest memorial services I've ever been to. And it was really, really neat. And it's just sad. He died Oaks Day. Um that he wasn't able to see another triple crown. Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah, for well, him. Uh, but yeah, he, he was sorely missed in the press box at the last at Keeneland meet. Well, let's uh, move forward to more positive stuff. Eventually, I want to get to what we shared over the weekend uh, at Churchill Downs. But before we get there, of course, as always, I'm on the Career uh, Journal site looking up your stories. And um, you, you had to... Uh, Interesting stories about two interesting jockeys. One of them, I guess, became the first jockey ever to ride two Triple Crown winners, Jean Gruguet. <laughs> well, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Um, well, of course, I guess Eddie Arcaro would have been on two because he won two, but like two different, you know. Um, but anyways, no, and actually I'm at Churchill Downs at Soggy here. I'm looking at a now vacant Barn 33, which is where American Pharaoh was. But Jean Gruguet and... He went out early. They were, the horse was going to the track right when I, I got there about a little after, you know, not quite 6.30 in the morning. And um, they were all telling me this, and Lauren Hamill Osborne, she kindly texted me some really great pictures. But Kruget had really wanted to get on American Pharaoh, not to go on the track. But th- this is the kind of access and the kind of stuff that why. Uh, I keep saying it's not just the right horse that won, but it's the right connections that won. For in this day and age, who knew what it was going to be like in this digital age to have a triple crown winner? We're finding out. We're very, very fortunate that they really let this horse have as much public access as he could. So anyways, he called Jimmy Barnes, the assistant that had the horses here at Churchill, and he came, and he got on him in the barn, and he stood on him, and you know, got pictures taken. They were really neat. And then when the horse was coming off the track after training, not with him, with his regular exercise rider, uh, he let Kuge walk the horse back, and he took him a lap around the barn and then gave him to the hot walker. And, you know, Kuge was just beaming. It was just really, really cool. 
and it you know it was good also good you know promotion for their upcoming um oh, I'm gonna come up with the wrong title, but it's they call it the documentary it's a documentary on Kruger, uh Steve Coffin, and Ron Turcott, and their amazing Great. stories it's gonna be coming out right around the time of the Keeneland sales in the fall and which is it's Goldmark Media, and I was asking um one of the people involved, I said, is that like Goldmark Farm? And then, yes, it's Paula, um, I'm probably going to pronounce his last name wrong, Bull. Um, God, you know, he's had a lot of good horses with Tom Amos and stuff. Um, uh-huh. He's Goldmark Farms. Anyways, it, it's just him and his way of donating back to the industry. So um, but that was a very, very cool sight. Then later that day was the Vogue shoot. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I heard America Farrell's going to be in Vogue, huh? Yeah, like our headline was, he's not just fashionable, he's in Vogue. Um, And that was amazing. I just can't imagine many horses. I mean, he was out there almost 40 minutes. Um, Another cool thing to see how they did that with all the setup and everything. But just really, not just, he doesn't just have the physical attributes, but these mental attributes that allow him to... um, you know, just stand there and have all this adulation on him. One of the most amazing things about the Belmont to me, besides the race, was how you had, oh, I don't know, scores and scores and scores, I mean, dare I say hundreds, in the winter circle in very, very, like we're talking a matter of feet from this thoroughbred. I mean, how many times do you see something like that and you're thinking somebody's going to the hospital? Well, absolutely. A lot of times it is scary. Now, before I get on to American Pharaoh, I think it's a big story here. I want to uh, do another Jenny Reese late-breaking story, and that's your interview with Calvin Burrell. I was kind of taken back by that. Well, actually, Marty McGee, i got to give credit where it's due. He had the first story, and I was so busy with, you know, Pharaoh fever, um, that kind of was it that he's taken the summer off and left it open. But when I talk to Calvin, I can only go by what he tells me. No, but from talking, I first talked to his agent, um, Jerry Hissom, who said, you know, I'm going back to um, Arkansas, I'm 71 years old, and uh, I really don't know what he'll do, if he'll, you know, after having some time off, if he'll want to come back or not. And I thought, wow. But from what Calvin told me, I think he plans on being back. For one thing, there's a really nice two-year-old filly he's riding for um, Juan Wiggins, of course, for mm-hmm. Lon's dad, he rode Rachel Alexander, won the Kentucky Oaks by 20 lengths. Um, yeah, and he, and he ro- rode Wiggins last winter, as I recall, too. Yes, yes. and that he, was cool. um, But anyways, it's still he's supposed to run in the debutante. I mean, she just got beat. Ran, got beat by a nice tappet filly of Steve Asseyson's in the, both their debuts. And, and I think they're both probably running back in the, well, maybe the Tappet Joy is going to Saratoga, I'm not sure. But anyways, Lon Wiggins really looks like she's going to go in the uh, debutante, and he said, no, I'll be back for her. You know, so it was a much less, when he was talking to me, a much less like, I may be ready to retire. What was interesting is, though, that he's really enjoying, his wife, Lisa's in the show horse world, he really enjoys, like, buying these horses, um... For you know five six thousand dollars, giving them their earliest training and making them you know breaking them to where uh, a child in the show world can ride them and sell them for you know what goes for good money in that world, and oh, yeah. you, know, you can get maybe ten times what you bought them for in just 
like a you know a matter of you know a couple months. Uh, he's really oh, like that. Like he that's the kind of thing when he retires that he might enjoy doing. So yeah, sounds like a thing. great second career. Now, now yeah. the other night, Jenny, you have well, to admit it, it was absolutely electric down at Churchill Downs. I, I know you were you were in center court, you know, uh, in the paddock. Uh, you're also in center court in, in the winner's circle for the presentation. Now, before I get to the presentation and, and acceptance, you, you had al- already alluded to the how this horse does not turn a hair. There were people pretty much stumbling over him in the paddock. There were thousands, literally thousands of cameras and flashes uh, going off from the uh, the public, everybody that had a, had a cell phone, and it was so cool how they just took them around to like every corner of the paddock and stopped yeah, them and made sure that every that fan got cool. a photo. That was very cool. And um, I... I gotta say, John, would you agree? That's the most media you will see at a race covering any single race this year outside of the Triple Crown of the Breeders' Cup. I mean, I think it was as, at least as much as the Bluegrass at Keeneland. I gotta think, or you know, I mean, more than the Arc. Uh, well, I wasn't at the Arkansas Derby, but I was at the Rebel. I mean, just in this day and age of consolidated media, that was unbelievable. The you know the media that was out there to cover a horse parading, really. <laughs> this show, we didn't know it. what was it going to be like having a triple crown winner. And it's really, you know, awesome. And like you said, it's electrifying. It might be the only time I think a track underestimated its attendance. They said attendance was just under 29,000. It sure seemed like more than that, I got to say. And Absolutely. Uh, I don't know how they did. Maybe a whole lot of people, you know, with their licenses walked over from the backside. I don't know. But it sure seemed like a lot more to me. But I... You know, I talked to people who had never lived in Louisville for years and years and years, never been to a racetrack, but came out to see American Pharaoh. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, now Absolutely. what does racing do to make this, you know, going forward? How do you capitalize on it? That's the challenge now. You know, and we read a lot about how uh, Churchill Downs over the years has managed to stub their toes. I really think they put their best foot forward. And quite frankly, Jenny, most of the people that I saw there were not even born when affirmed won the Triple Crown. Right. And that was very cool. And also at Belmont, um, lots and lots of young people there. And uh, so I, I do think there's a chance, a window. Like they say, this isn't going to be the cure-all for racing. They need to, you know, there's lots of things racing needs to do to get these people back on a Thursday or Friday. Um, but, you know, I, I, Churchill definitely put its best foot forward. Uh, it was a very cool event. Um, that, you know, I think it has been in the works, win or lose, he was going to do this parading, and that's really cool. If you can make, because, you know, how many people do we know that they make the connection with the horse first, or maybe they're on the backside, and they say, oh, they live here, and oh, this is what happens, and then they, then they get interested on what happens on the front side. There's many different ways to, you know, there's many different masters and fans you can appeal to and I'm a big believer in, you know, multitasking and racing needs to appeal to, you know, certainly first and foremost the betting audience, but also, you know, the horse lovers. And uh, you know, it's not like it has to be mutually exclusive. And I think this has been a very cool thing. Getting on the cover of Sports Illustrated and getting in vogue, um that that's uh pretty cool stuff. And I can't say enough about how I think that not just he's an amazing animal, but I think that we are very lucky with the connections. And I think Bob Baffert, 
I was actually talking to the track chaplain at um, Churchill. This horse has had a parade of halters on him uh, since the Chippewa Crown that are being that he wears for you know a day or two that get donated to charity and stuff. And um, right. And we were just talking about how you know Bob seems different. He's a little humbler. He's still you know a funny guy and all that. But you know maybe since his heart attack, maybe since he's a little older, maybe since he went. You know, I think he thought these derbies were pretty easy, and then he went 13 years without winning one, which is still like how many people would, you know, never won. I mean, and top horsemen win the derby, but still, so it goes 13 years, and then to have one with his son Bodie, you know, who's 10 around and stuff. That, and I think he really embraced the role, um, and I think so does um, Victor Espinosa and Ahmed Zayat and his family of being ambassadors, if you're blessed to have this, then there are also things you have to give back. And that's not the case with everybody, you know. But I think that they, you know, this, this I mean, he's go okay, it was like what somebody sells, like the Santa Claus tracker. You know, the press notices we were getting from Santa Anita saying where he was and all this. He's in the air, he's going to land here now and all that just flying out there. It's like tag you're it now. The, the Los Angeles media. I don't think he'll have as much on a daily basis media as he had here, just because, you know, it's a smaller market and we're so horse and racing centric here in Louisville. But it was really cool. And again, like I said, my husband's barn's right across the road, so I could really have a bird's eye view. And just <laughs> every morning when this horse went to train, didn't matter the time, he, um, you know, there was a group of people watching him. And, um, taking a lot of pictures and they'd stop and pose and there's a place in heaven for Jimmy Barnes, the assistant, because I don't think this is really his personality. He's kind of reserved and all this, but he really, really was patient and really did his best. And it, no, he's just not like, he's not wired like Backward is, um, but he did a great job and, and kudos, kudos to him on what I'm thinking. He'd be the happiest person because Jimmy hadn't been home since early April. When right. he left California for the Arkansas Derby. Um, yeah, so, I guess he said he left with two suitcases and came back with four. <laughs> That's right. Well, Jenny, can I keep you on, on for a little more time? Because um, I've got a photo of you with your recorder out, and I want you to kind of uh, paint the picture with that huge crowd of people um, as a, they entered American Pharaoh into the winter circle, but I really thought uh, that our friend John Asher did a marvelous job at, at hosting the presentation of the Triple Crown Awards, and I really think that Victor Espinoza, uh, the Zayats, and Bob Baffert, all each individually, did a marvelous job at accepting the trophies and addressing the crowd. They sure did. They all made a point to thank the fans. And um, and very classy, and John did a marvelous job. Well, John always does a marvelous job. You and John guys are all, are all marvelous, i got to say. Y'all are great in these situations. But, but John did, you know, he, he you know, laid it out. And this is the kind of thing Churchill does very well. Churchill gets knocked for a lot of things, uh, including by me. But, you know, they do things like this really well because they got some really, really good people there working there who that absolutely love racing and really get it and uh, just, you know, so 
feel so vested in this industry and in the Derby and in the history of the Kentucky Derby. And uh, it, it was just, you know, it made me so happy. John, I covered 11 of these where they got beat, you know, or in the one case, didn't run because they were retired the day before. I wasn't around. I was in college for a firm in Seattle Saloon. But I finally saw one, and I wrote a column on this. I said, it's worth the wait. And it was absolutely worth the wait. Well, you know, you've already, you've already said it, and I have to repeat it because I got to see it myself all Derby Week and last weekend, in that the horse is in the right hands. And these guys get it. They understand that from a marketing perspective that this is a chance. It's not a cure-all but this is a chance for some great positive exposure for racing. And, and I've got to say, I, I, don't, I don't know how many people I heard from the day after the race. Well, that's it. We'll never see him again. They're going to take $100 million and he's going to be retired. I mean, how happy I were you to hear again. the fact? And I was a cynic originally. I think he absolutely races again. I think Haskell was pretty sure. My own personal theory is he goes into Pennsylvania Derby because the spacing's good. Six weeks, six weeks, I think he runs. And he's doing well. I think he runs at Keeneland. And I got to say this, it's unfortunate the British Coast down to Churchill Downs this year. Because Churchill <laughs> would be the one that traffic could hold the crowd where people just saying like, late, like, let's just go. Keeneland, if you don't have a ticket now, you're not going. Because of where you can actually get into the track, I mean, you might still be able to do the tailgating stuff, but they, they sold out their general admit. They limited it, and rightly so. It's a small track. So it's just kind of ironic that this all happened. But, uh, I, hey, I want to use this opportunity also to shamelessly self-promote because one yeah. of the iconic images of the Belmont with the picture our photographer, our multiple clips toward winning photographer, Michael Clevenger, took of the finish, uh, right Gosh. past the finish, of this dress Spinoza looking back, and you can see the horses, and it looks so much like... Um, the uh, Ron Turcotte with Secretariat to where I actually I showed it to uh, Jerry Bailey and Randy Moss on the NBC crew who were in for the Stephen Foster of course they hadn't they hadn't seen the original in the Courier Journal that ran the you know the day after the Belmont and uh, which took up like the whole about the whole front of sports and uh, they were like well that's the Turcotte picture like I don't know if they thought we had like digitally just added, <laughs> you know, and made it colored. Uh, I said, no, no. And then I showed him the paper and Jerry Bailey said this. And I told this to Michael. I'm so happy. I, he said, he will be signing copies of that when he's 90 years old. <laughs> so anyways, it's a great photo. And I'm really proud of all the resources. The career journal is putting into horse racing when a lot of papers aren't. And if you didn't get one of the free posters, Churchill Downs, those are collaboration with the Courier Journal, were given out um, Saturday night. You can go to CourierJournal.com and you can buy a copy of it, of, of uh, the poster. So I, I saw that. I, and are, are they 16 by 24, Jenny? I guess that's the size they are. Yeah, I mean, I'm bad with those measurements and stuff, but I think that's the, I think that's the size. Maybe just a little smaller, maybe, because just... I'm just not good with size, but it, it, it's a striking photo. Um, and, um, you know, Michael, he's the one that did the photo shoot of Vogue when they came. He just, 
really an excellent photographer, and I couldn't be happier because he had sworn off. He had sworn off ever coming to the Triple Crown again because he had felt there years that he'd send him, he'd been up there, and then you know they'd use like Getty or some other photo, and and he was up there and he had the same shot and that whatever that pissed me over the dam. But he kept saying, "I'm not going again." And so then this year he goes, and <laughs> this year I got to say we got a lot of mileage out of we. Um, Michael Clevenger and Pat McDonough were there, and they were doing videos and and pictures and. And we see um, a lot of, oh, I just got to do a little update here. Showing yes. up at the bar here, you know, John, you're from Cincinnati. Bill Connolly, winner of that was at the sixth race, the fifth race for Bernie Schaefer from um, Cincinnati. They won a nice race. And he, I'm calling him a cold water Willie these days. <laughs> <laughs> the horse paid eight bucks but beat the four to five shot. So, anyways, he just showed up at the barn. But, um He's, John, you know, I think we can both agree it's great making our living in this industry, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, great. And, and Bill's a great guy. I don't know how he lands all these white thoroughbreds in his barn. He, I guarantee you there's no trainer in history that has trained more white thoroughbreds than Billy Conley. You're right about that. Yeah. This one wasn't a white one. Um, this, this one was um, an Indiana bred, though, and won a nice clown race here at church. We're coming off a... Of, her first start of the year since being third in the goldenrod at Churchill because she had a chip. And uh, so we immediately text him, Coldwater Connolly, so you're buying, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he showed up at Make, the bar, so that was good. Make sure he does. You know, you know, you know he's one of those very successful trainers that, that flies under the radar. A lot of people don't know that uh, earlier this year he celebrated winning 1,000 races. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and do it the hard way. I mean, you know... These guys, and you know, you know, Pat, my husband, and stuff. There's so many good trainers out there, but they're not promoters. They're not marketers, and and there's going to be a certain kind of owner that's going to really appreciate that kind of trainer. But they're not necessarily somebody that you're going to like be chatting up in the turf club. You know, they're going to be at the barn. They're not going to be in the turf club, and uh, it, it just. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat and to win horse races and stuff. But I love seeing these guys that are really, really the hands-on guys and stuff when they win races. It's, you know, we it, well, just... Let me, let me add another remember. story about Bill, about Bill Connie, Jenny, you, you probably don't know about. Uh, one time he had just won a uh, stakes race at what was then River Downs. And I went in and I talked to, I believe, the, the, the owner's name w- w- was Pete Chappelle. And I said, I said, Mr. Chappelle, I said, how did you come into contact with Bill Conley? And he said, that's an interesting story. He said, I had just come back from the Keeneland sale, and my van had broken down. And who pulls over to the side of the road but this guy I'd never seen before? And it was Bill Conley. <laughs> and, and he said, you know, I thought that was such a class act. I said, you know what? When this horse becomes a two-year-old, I'm going to turn it over to this guy. And that's how Conley started his relationship with Chappelle. And they went on to win uh, many stakes races in the Cincinnati that's area. That's awesome story. That's got the kind of guy Bill is. I mean, do anything to help you. You know, he's the kind of guy that would pull over to see somebody, you know, needs help and stuff. It's, it's uh it's funny how, how Pat, my husband, ended up with his owner's cat, and Susan was, Chris Prather was working in a bookstore, and Susan was there in the horse section, and Chris said, oh, you're interested in horses. Yeah, you know, 
we're looking for a trainer. You got any recommendations? And she was living with uh, Frankie Brothers and Donna Barton Brothers at the time and asked them. And Frankie had known Pat for like his whole life and, uh, you know, recommended along with some other people. And these were people, though, that wanted somebody that was going to be, you know, hands on. But you just never know, do you? You never know. No, no, it's 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 a it's a it's a great world that that I think that uh, we are blessed to, to work in. Quite frankly, um, Jenny, do you got any uh, uh, upcoming stories? Um, and I also want to make sure that uh, we make sure that all of our our our, our listeners know um, the different ways that they can get a hold of you. Sure, sure. Okay, my Twitter feed is at CJ underscore Jenny, with an I-E, J-E-N-N-I-E. You can go to CourierJournal.com slash racing, and not just my racing coverage, but we've really beefed up our racing coverage. i got a young colleague, Jonathan Lintner, that's doing more and more of the daily stuff. Uh, we have Greg Hall handling you know, the, the sales stuff and all that. Um, but Oh, I, you were mentioning earlier about John Court, and he yeah. had a 19 diet off story in this morning's paper about how he's won his last four races. Well, I think he um, I wasn't here for the early races because I was in Lexington, but I, he might have ended his streak at four, but then he had a $19 winner, and I just love that because every time I tweet about John Court, I do hashtag AARP, which I'm old enough. I refuse to join because, well, I'm AAA and just because that makes it seem like you're officially old. But I have no problem with doing a hashtag trying to get into a new group with racing, right? And uh, I asked him about this. I said, Does that bother you? He said, Heck no. I mean, John Court at 54 is just, I want to be him when I grow up or when I go down or whatever. Um, he's amazing. And, and we, we really have this great bumper crop of, of uh, senior writers, if you, you know, uh, with Gary Stevens, what, he's 52, I think. Uh, Mike Smith's going to be 50 later this year. I just really, you know, it just shows that. But how remarkable. Can you imagine? Really, when you think about um, athletes, professional athletes, what these guys do and what their knees alone go through, um, really, really just incredible stuff. And I just, you know, I think my lucky stars that I'm covering horse racing and for a newspaper that cares about horse racing. It's, and then I have friends like you that put me on the radio show. What could be better? <laughs> And while you're talking about our AARP members, let's not forget a story I know I sent you oh, this absolutely. week. Absolutely. I got to do a story on Perry Oates. That is the best. I was talking to Pat Day about it, and he was saying, he owns 6000 the hard way. But this is so cool. Perry Oates now is the winningest rider out of Riverdale. Riverdale, <laughs> Riverdale, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Arkansas. That, you think, okay, so what? Well... Who did he have to pass? His cousin Early Fires, who's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> right, right. And, and just like just like Pat said, you know, when you go back and you look at his records, now that he's passed early, that who he grew up with out there, um, Perry just crossed the $40 million mark. Early Fires earned $88 million. So it's a big difference between driving a Rolls Royce and a Volkswagen. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean... That's you're exactly right, you know. Um, he, that, but that's, a, that's fantastic. And, and I'll talk to Pat about this because Pat was, uh, 
was he 50 maybe when he retired or something? He just one day wasn't enthusiastic about it. He realized he'd won the Fleur de Lis on a a filly for Wally DeLossi. And he said, Pastor Wire, he was sort of proud of what he had done to contribute to. He thought he'd done some things in the race. But he said he just didn't have any emotion. And um, he said, wow, he's always had emotion, you know, great or like, oh, darn, you know. And uh, so to not only have the... stay in physical condition enough to write till you're 60, but also to have the passion. That is special. It is. Well, whenever you want to do a story on Perry Uch, you know I will facilitate it, Jenny. And I can't thank you so much for spending as much of your personal time with us tonight on Winning Ponies, and it was great to see you over the weekend. Well, it's always fun, John, and I do. I absolutely need to come up there and see you up there at Belterra for sure. All right, I'll have a 12-pack in the cooler. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right, we've been talking with multiple Eclipse Award-winning writer Jenny Reese, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Rich Ng out there in Las Vegas. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, now we're going out to Las Vegas, writer for the Las Vegas Review Journal and the Daily Racing Forum, also the author of Handicapping for Dummies, no stranger to winning ponies, Rich Ng. How you doing, my friend? Hey, very good, John. And if your listeners like hot weather, like triple digits, Vegas is perfect for them because it's going to be really hot now for the rest of the summer. Well, speaking of hot, you know, we, we had a hot triple crown. Uh, I've been to a lot of different places a- along the, uh, the, der- the Derby, Preakness, Belmont Trail. Um, well, how was the vibe out in Vegas? Well, it was just as exciting as uh, I-, I talked to some of the race book operators, and they said the noise in the stretch run of the Belmont was similar to uh, the last play of the Super Bowl, if you remember that interception that Russell Wilson threw. But uh, they said the the crowd just went crazy, and everybody was rooting for American Pharaoh. So they said it was 
it was a big moment out here. Well, I loved it. You know, I was here in Cincinnati, and I'm telling you what, the, the windows of the press box were vibrating uh, from the crowd because we, we have a great big, big screen now. I know you haven't been here for a couple of years, and uh, it was like they were at Belmont. It was just fantastic, and uh, you probably heard part of my conversation with Jenny. I mean, um, it, certainly it's not going to be the rebirth of racing, but we're seeing a whole you know, young crowd that never you know got, even got to see a firmed race uh, that seemed to be kind of – enjoying the sport, if not only for its social amenities, but the fact that now we have a hero to root for, and it's great that the Zayats are, are going to keep them in training. So I'm looking forward uh, to the lead-up to the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic. And like Jenny said, it's just too bad it's not at Churchill Downs this year because they would have filled every seat and the infield. Oh, yeah, they would have they would have had a derby-sized crowd, 150, 160,000. But, you know, the beauty of having a, a triple crown horse after 37 years, Sean, is that it does get us out of the niche category that racing is kind of slotted into nowadays and puts us more into the mainstream. And when you get in front of so many uh, new eyeballs and they kind of get excited about what they see, hopefully they'll, they'll come and uh, use that as an appetizer to get more involved in the game. And, you know, it's, it's our job, uh, everybody involved in horse racing, to then turn those newcomers into permanent fans. And if we can take even a small percentage of the, those people and, and make them permanent fans, then it's been a triple crown for marketing of the sport, too. Well, uh, out in your neighborhood, I know that you write columns every week on the racing at Santa Anita, the Summertime Oaks. I got a feeling that this is going to be the redemption of Stellar Wind, who was uh, shuffled back seriously in the Kentucky Oaks when she was sent away the favorite in the tough 14-horse field. But after getting steadied early and put back there, made a nice rally through the stretch. She, in, in, in this field at Santa Anita, she's really uh, proven at the distance. She's two for two. I don't see anybody getting by her. Do you, Riching? Yeah, she had a tough trip, and, you know, that'll happen in a 14-horse field. We certainly see it in a 20-horse field like the Kentucky Derby. And so, uh, you know, she's she is the horse to beat. But, uh, you know, when you see someone like Bob Baffert in the race with a horse like the 10, fantastic style, and she's got a lot of speed. And one thing about speed horses, folks, is it's easy to stay out of trouble when you're in front. So, so she is stretching out around two turns, and uh, Baffert is always dangerous and uh, great at stakes races. So uh, I think that's her, that's her main foe. Uh, Mike Smith, of course, Hall of Fame jockey, picks up the six Terrace Tango, and she has not gone around two turns. But uh, Jerry Hollendorfer loves doing races like this. And then uh, Phil D'Amato with a two-horse shears pleasure. He has been one of the hottest trainers in Southern California recently. He took over for the, the late Mike Mitchell, and uh, the barn uh, has not skipped a beat. So uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of contention for Stellar Wind still. I, I feel like you're looking over my shoulder because I have notes on every single horse that you mentioned, but I do think the one I'm going to key on top is Stellar Wind, and I do think the biggest threat could be Fantastic Style. I think she might like to stretch out. No, she loves Santa Anita. Four starts, three wins, and a second. It'll be very, very interesting. Well, speaking of interesting, it's a non-graded stakes race this year, but uh, it's attracted a lot of horses that ran in the Kentucky Derby, and that is the Ohio Derby that's offering a half a million dollar uh, purse this year. And not only uh, do we have uh, uh, Derby horses um, like uh, Far Right and and War Story, uh, Mister Z, but we've got uh, uh, Preakness. Uh, uh, third place finisher, Divining Ride, and the ever improving from your neighborhood, 
Whiskey Ticket, who uh, is two for two and put in a game effort in the Illinois Derby. This is a wide open race for half a million bucks up at Thistledown. You know, John, when I see such a, a talented and deep field like this for the Ohio Derby, it makes me think about uh, what people were saying early in the Triple Crown season that uh, this was one of the best crop of three-year-olds that people have seen in a while. And then all of a sudden, after the Belmont Stakes, I started hearing people saying, well, American Pharaoh didn't beat anything. Well, you can't have it both ways. But I think what this field tells me is that this is a good group of three-year-olds because, you know, some of these horses are not obviously in the same ballpark with American Pharaoh. But, you know, they're gonna, the ones that run well here are probably going to move on to the Haskell. They're going to move on to the Jim Dandy and the Travers. So we're going to see some of these horses down the road in the division. And it's it's a terrific group of horses that uh, they uh, track to do their Howard Derby. Uh, I know Whiskey Ticket is from uh, Bob Baffert's barn. This is the horse they use as a target for Dortmund and American Pharaoh. And if this horse can, can hold up to that type of punishment and then win two races, including the Illinois Derby, you know this is a very talented individual. And I know I really like the Vining Rod when he went into the Preakness uh, outstanding uh, connections, the Layall Stable and the, the uh, Arnold De- Delacour. Uh, to me, this is a, a very, very strong animal, very much improving, big win in Lexington. And uh, if you can draw a line through the uh, the Kentucky Derby on War Story, I mean, this horse ought to wake up too and uh, run a lot better for Tom Amos. Yeah, and I think that the, the blinkers on. They tried an experiment, but they tried it in the wrong race. You don't experiment in the Kentucky Derby. Well, my producer's telling me I got about a minute and a half. I just wanted to get your read on the seven furlong Better Roses handicap at Belmont Park. I got a feeling Dame Dorothy's the one to win. She's coming out of a Grade One win, three for three at the distance. Uh, Pletcher's going thirty-seven percent. She can probably rate off some speed. We're going to see in here. My only question is she has gaps in her training, but I still think she can overcome this for Bobby. Play her owner. Yeah, she's uh, she does have some gaps in her training, but it seems like when she runs, John, she's ready to go. And you know, Pletcher winning at an unbelievable rate. So uh, stalking style, perfect for seven furlongs. Probably sit second, third, fourth, and then kicking in late. Lover, that's about as uh, tough a nut as uh, as they come. And you got uh, David Jacobson, who went a lot of races over the winter time, trying to win in the summer too with the three room for me. Once again, I swear to God, you're in the room with me looking at my daily racing form. Jacobson <laughs> claims the source for 12-5, and after the claim, cut her back to sprint. The horse is 4 for 5. And Laffer Dad, man, does she like Belmont Park. Six starts, five wins, and a second. Well, Rich, thanks a lot for helping me put 10 pounds of information in a five-pound bag once again. It's always great to hear your voice, and fantastic that you could be with us on Winning Ponies. Hey, thank you, John. And if anyone wants to follow me on the Internet, uh, my sports handicap, I mean, my horse race handicapping and column is an LVRJ.com, free in the sports section every day. All right, tune in because Rich knows what he's talking about, and I know that from personal experience. I want to thank Rich Eng, I want to thank Jenny Reese, and I want to thank all of you for being fans of Winning Ponies Radio. And don't forget, go to winningponies.com. Pull down those easy win forms. We knocked them out of the park last weekend at Santa Anita, but we do do it from across the country. So once again, overlooking the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.